<clears throat> Welcome out to our midweek service here at Midway. Thankful you're here. Thankful if you're joining in uh, through our streaming process. Let's take a moment and have prayer, and then we'll get right into our discussion. Our Holy Father, it is with a great deal of honor and privilege that you allow us to come before you, and we're so thankful. We're thankful we can call upon you as our Father, and that we can be your children. We're grateful, Father, that we can be your family. We continue to pray for our family here at Midway, but also for each individual family, for our moms and dads, our grandparents, for our children, our nieces and nephews, whoever they may be. We pray, Father, for each family, that each family may grow in the grace and knowledge. We're thankful, Lord, for our midweek service, which builds us up and encourages us, gives us the opportunity to not only pray and to sing, but to study from your sacred pages. We're thankful for our little ones that we have here at the congregation. Pray your blessing on them this evening as they read and study with their teachers. We pray, Holy Father, that each of us might be able to glean two or three things that will inspire us to study more, that will help us to, to live out your will in our lives. We're thankful, Father, that we can plead to you in behalf of those not feeling well, and you know their, their needs, Father, and we pray for each of them and their families. And we'll be mentioning them later on in our service, but we do pray for each one. We're thankful, Father, especially for the great hope that we have, the tremendous, tremendous desire and expectation that we have to be at home with you forever and ever. Father, we believe in you, and we thank you for your great love. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week we looked at Jesus' prayer and mealtime. Jesus' prayer and mealtime. We looked at how that Jesus often prayed and gave thanks for food in public. Uh, such an example was when he fed the 5,000 and fed the, the 4,000. Uh, he stopped and, and gave thanks. And we followed his example and kind of looked at some principles and guidelines that go along with that practice. We noticed also uh, Jesus, on the day of his resurrection, went into the house of one of his disciples that evening. He sat down and had a meal with them, and he gave thanks, Luke 24, 30, uh, when he said uh, grace at the family table. And we also there, uh, thinking about um, prayer at the family table, we focused on the importance of the family table, the importance of that habit, and then finally we looked at how all these principles and ideals relate to the weekly communion meal, the Lord's Supper, the Lord's Table, and um, we went from there. 
This evening, to follow up on that, we, we want to look at Jesus' prayer and life, really. Jesus' prayer and life. And uh, look into the book of Luke, especially, and let Luke's gospel guide us along as we look at Jesus' prayer and life. So let me invite you to have your Bibles open to Luke. We'll start in chapter 3. Start in chapter 3. We'll notice, first of all, this evening, as we go along, you are most welcome and encouraged as we look at each of these times of prayer, if you'd like to add an insight or two. We'll notice, first of all, that Jesus prayed uh, when he was baptized, Luke 3, 21 and 22. Let's be noticing that, if you'd like to mark this in your Bible, Luke 3, 21 and 22. Of course, Jesus' baptism is recorded in Mark 1 and Matthew 3, but here's Luke's account, 21, 22. Now, when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, notice that, and was praying, the heavens opened Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove and a voice from heaven, you are my beloved son and in whom I am well uh, pleased. I wonder what Jesus prayed here when he was baptized. Okay. I wonder what he prayed. We pretty much for sure know he prayed for those others who were being baptized. Notice it says, verse 21, all the people... Not every single person, but many people were coming to John at the Jordan River to be baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. So we could be sure that Jesus was praying for them, that they, in their decision to be baptized for forgiveness, that they would grow in knowledge as the days come, that they would grow in faith, that they would grow in, in grace, that they would be dedicated, that they would be strengthened for the trials to come, and that they would be able to serve uh, the Lord and please Him. Okay. So Jesus is praying here at, um, at His baptism. Okay. But what else might He be praying about as He prays? Well, you know, the other day we were really focusing on Jesus saying, the hour has come. What hour is that? Yes, his death. And I'm pretty sure here that uh, Jesus, when he was baptized, is focusing on that hour, the hour of, of the cross. Why do you say that? Well, Jesus was not being baptized for forgiveness because he never did a sin. Okay? But the act of baptism itself was a picture of death, burial, and resurrection. So we can be relatively sure here that Jesus, when he's baptized, he is, he is giving a preview. He is uh, setting the stage. He is focused on his coming death, burial, and resurrection. Okay. And the, the Spirit descends on him. He is ready to start his public ministry uh, with the Father. Okay. So notice first here in Luke 3, 21 and 22, that Jesus prays at his uh, baptism, And I think it would be safe for us to say we ought to pray when someone is uh, 
is baptized and we ought to stop and consider and stop and give thanks for what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, because, because we'd have no hope of forgiveness if it wasn't for that. But then also the, our new brother, our new sister, we want to pray that they can grow. They start growing right away. Growing knowledge and faith and grace, and service, and dedication, and, and hope. Do you think that Jesus may have prayed about anything else here at his baptism? What do you think? And the work that John? What was the last part you said there? Right. Right. Praying for John, that's a good that's a good insight too. Perhaps he's praying for John and his ministry. John had a very important ministry of preparing the way uh, for the Lord. Okay? Very good. All right, good. So could have been praying about the Father's will and this being fulfillment of prophecy, especially the, the ministry of John here, being a fulfillment of prophecy of both Isaiah and Malachi. And Jesus is definitely dedicating himself in prayer to pleasing the Lord because, you know, in other places like Matthew, it says he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness, which mainly means that he's going to please the Lord. Or make it his will, his goal to please the Lord. He's about to be tempted by Satan, so could he pray about that? Okay, good. Mark says Jesus, indeed, right after his baptism, is tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and so certainly he, he could be praying about that as well. All right, notice the next place, Luke 4. Luke 4. And 42. It says, when, when it was day, Jesus departed and went out into a desolate place. Okay. Now Mark records this in Mark 1.35, basically the very same thing. And Mark has it that Jesus went out while it was still yet dark, went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So put Luke 4.42 together with Mark 1 and 35. Okay. So not only did Jesus pray at his baptism, but Jesus prayed in the early morning hours. Jesus prayed in the early morning hours, even before daylight. Before the hustle and bustle of the day, before the noise of the earth, all the noises of the earth uh, began to make themselves known, Jesus went out and prayed. He went out to another place. He often stayed with other people, different places, with his disciples, with other people. But when he went out in the morning to pray, he went somewhere by himself. Is that a habit that you have? I wonder why Jesus uh, did this. Oh, why? Focus. Do what? Probably to focus. To get focus for the day? Well, no. What he's focusing on is prayer. He's got all this multitude around him. He's probably not able to focus on what he's trying to say to God without interference. Okay. 
just just focusing in the prayer itself because we all understand how that is when people are around it's very difficult to get to that state of mind okay very good he went out early 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 to pray you know the psalms mentions this quite often about praying in the in the night if you want to look at a couple of these verses some Number four and five, Psalm four. <clears throat> Do what? Psalm, let's start in Psalm three, four, and five. So Psalm three and verse five, Psalm three and verse five, I lay down and slept, I woke again, and the Lord uh, sustained me. Look over to Psalm 4, beginning verse 3, Psalm 4, 3 and following. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own heart on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices to him and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm number 5 and verse 3. Psalm 5 verse 3. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. O Lord, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and watch. And watch. Seems like there was one in Psalm. Yeah, I got one marked here. Psalm 88, 13. Psalm 88, 13. I, O Lord... Psalm 88, 13. I, O Lord, I cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes to you. So definitely that relates to the practice of uh, Jesus here. What is Jesus going to be focusing on as he prays early in the morning? As we are seeing from his baptism, he, he desires to please God. Does he accomplish this? He was, he was in step with the Father all the way. And that's what we desire to do when we pray. We want to make sure that we are in step, that we are, we are in tune with what God would have us to think and do and be. Okay. Let's look at a couple of examples in the, book, in the Gospel of John. I'm going to start in John 7. Notice how closely Jesus tried to stay to the wishes of the Father. So in John 7, verse 16, John 7, 16, it says here, So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who has sent me. If anyone wills to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking of my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there's no falsehood. See how, see how Jesus stayed really close to what the Lord would want? John 8, 29 John 8, 29, notice what he says there. And, and he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. 
For I always do the things that are pleasing to him. John 8, 29. Then one other there in John. John 12 and 49. John 12, 49. He says, the Lord does, he says here, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. We're not on the level of the Son of God, but this is a tremendous example. We want to go to God in prayer early in the day and say, Lord, my only desire today is to do exactly what you would have me to do. My only desire today is to think like you would want me to think. I want to be in step with you, Lord. I want to be, I want to be close to you. So Jesus is seeking guidance there, guidance early in the morning. It's a great example to get in early in the morning. You know, Jesus is known as a man of, of, of the Scripture. He was mighty in preaching. John 7 45-46 says, uh, even his enemies said, no man has ever spoke like this, ever. People are often astonished at Jesus' teaching, but it could be that he was even mightier in prayer. Perhaps that's the key to, to uh, the gospel being spread, is to, is to pray as much as anything, or more than anything. I feel pretty sure that I fall way short of praying as I ought. And so let's keep this in mind. that Jesus was mighty in the word, but he was also mighty, maybe even more mighty in, um, in prayer. So Jesus got up way early in the morning. He prayed, prayed for guidance. I would say, um, I would say he prayed for patience too. I was just thinking about that earlier. You know, uh, how often did Jesus look to his disciples and say, Oh, ye of little faith. Didn't he need a lot of patience? I mean, he had high expectations. In John 14, he said to Thomas and, and, and to Philip, How long have I been with you and yet you still don't see? Why are you... Why are you saying, show us the Father? He that has seen me has seen the Father. Two great things to pray about early in the morning. Guidance and patience. Patience. But if you pray for patience, that verse produces patience. You're going to pray for some hard stuff to come on, you just get patience. If you pray for patience, then adversity is going to come? That's where you get patience from, Well, not every time. Adversity will bring patience, but I believe the Lord will help us. The Lord gives us patience as one of the uh, part of the fruit of the Spirit. And so he, he expects us to develop that quality, um, whatever is happening in life. So, going back to Luke, Luke 4.42 indicates that Jesus prayed early in the morning. Look at Luke 5 now. Luke 5, and look down to verse uh, 16. 
And we see here that Jesus prayed when times were very busy. Very busy. Let's just see what it says here. Yeah. Uh, he had healed a leper. And verse 16 says, He would then withdraw himself to a desolate place, to a desolate place and, and pray. And pray. Again, Mark chapter 1 is a parallel here. And Mark 1.45 records the same instance. It says there that the guy who was healed of his leprosy, as he was going to show the priest, you know, as commanded under the law of Moses, uh, Jesus had told him, now don't spread this everywhere. But what did the man do? He spread it everywhere to where Jesus just about couldn't get anything done, so he had to go off to these desolate places and he did some work in, the, in these apart places, but also he took the time to pray. So Jesus not only got up early in the morning to pray, but Jesus prayed at busy times. The busier we are, the more we need to pray. Jesus was a busy man. Some folks say that Jesus had over 150 interviews in, in his life on earth. I wouldn't doubt it at all. He talked to a lot of people. Very busy. He was busy, but he wasn't too busy. Okay. And one can be too busy. If you're too busy to pray and to study, then you know what the rest of that statement is. Okay. So Jesus handled these busy times with, with prayer. With prayer. Look over to Mark 6 with me just for a minute. Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> I find this a little bit fascinating. Mark chapter 6, he's about to go and <clears throat> walk on the water. Amaze the world. But notice in Mark 6, 46. Mark 6, 46. It says, after he had um, taken leave of them, um, that is, the disciples went on into the boat across the sea, after he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain and prayed. And prayed. When it's busy time, when times are busy, you need to go apart and pray. It's a sweet escape. And it's a time to refuel. Just like our, we need some power throughout the day. We need spiritual strength throughout the day. It's a power charger. That's what prayer is. And if Jesus needed it, then how much more do we need? How would, um, well, what do you think? Do you think, you think prayer is a way of saving time? It seems like when we're busy and we're hustling here and there, we, I would love to pray, but I just can't stop and pray. And the Lord understands I can't stop and pray, but Jesus seemed to handle busy times differently. He, he would say, I need to pray. I need to pray. It's busy. <coughs> People are surrounding me, but he found a, he found a way. He found a, a getaway to be able to pray. How, how would prayer be a time saver for us? What do you think? It shifts your priorities. Okay. Do a website. All right. 
helps you shift your priorities and you're focusing on the things you want to focus on, you need to focus on, and you don't get, you don't get involved in, in the things that, that can really um, scoop up your time, suck up your time. Yeah, like Daniel, he prayed three times a day, no matter what it was going to cost you. Yeah, just like Daniel prayed three times a day, Brother Mike saying, and no matter what it would, would cost him. He stuck to his habit of prayer. Okay. What about it? Do you think prayer can help you, help you save time? Seems like the more the more spiritual strength we have at the beginning of the day and throughout the day, then the more we're going to be doing the proper things and not not letting our, our lives get our time get scooped up by things at the end of the day we might say, Well, I wish wish I had done more of this or that. So time can be a, a time saver. Jesus prayed at busy times. This became a power source. Uh, for him, it became a sweet escape so that he can commune with his father and, and then he would come right back to his responsibilities. Do you ever try to do that? Do you have a way of doing that? Perhaps a little traveling in the car if you're going from one spot uh, to another can help that. Perhaps um, a lunch break you can find a sweet communion with the Lord. Everybody has to work it out in their own way, but it definitely is needed even in busy times. Okay, Luke 6 now. Look at Luke 6 and verse 12. This is when Jesus prayed all night. What are you going to do tonight? Questions off of that often asked. What are y'all doing tonight? I wonder if anybody's ever answered. We're going to pray all night. Jesus, Luke 6 in verse 12, just prior to selecting those who would be his apostles, says, in these days he went out to the mountain. He loved to pray on the mountain and to pray. And all night he continued in prayer. All night long. It was God's plan to involve, to involve certain select apostles as the gospel come to a completion and, and the church was going to be established, it was in God's plan that the Lord select apostles. And Jesus is praying in accordance to the plan of God. Most of these um, happenings in the life of Jesus are, are um, recorded in other places. Look at Mark 3 with me. It's, I think it's... Uh, Matthew 10, see his recording, Matthew's recording of the, selecting the apostles, uh, but it's here in Mark 3, 13, and um, 13 through about verse 19. It says here, uh, verse uh, 14, it says, He appointed twelve uh, for two big reasons, that they might be with him, Mark 3, 14, and that he might send them out to preach, to serve. We're, we're pretty sure then that if Jesus was praying, he was focused on the plan of God to include the apostles, but also focused on what he would do with the apostles. That he would 
have them spend quite a bit of time with him as he would prepare them to go out and teach, preach, and serve. That also would be a great example for us as we are in prayer with God. I want, Lord, I want, to, I want to serve your purpose. I want to spend time with you and your words so that I can be more qualified to go out and serve, to teach, and preach, and share. like I used to shoot basketball all night long. All okay, night. that's what I'm asking. Just went right. If we take that literal, he literally prayed all night. I take it literally. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, I don't think you shot basketball. <laughs> <laughs> um, I take it just that he, he, he just stayed up all night. If he can fast 40 days, I think he can pray on that. What do y'all think, though? Is it? Because, you know, earlier we read all the people were coming out to John to be baptized. Well, not every single person, so it's kind of an exaggeration. But here with Jesus in the nighttime prayer, I just feel like he just prayed on that. What do y'all think? And that's the lesson we take away from this. Um, Sister Benita saying this was a huge decision, who the apostles were going to be. When we make big decisions, we need to make it and bathe it in prayer. Spend a lot of time in prayer. If we can't stay up all night, then we need to at least equalize that by spending at least 12 hours or so in prayer, maybe over several days or whatever. But... Um, yeah, I'm, Brother Paul, I just think it's on that line. If I could document that a politician could stand on the floor of the house and speak all night long, just keep something from getting voted on, I don't have a problem letting Jesus could talk to his daddy all night long. Okay. All right. So. main thing is he's praying intensely here and he's sticking with the plan of God and he carries it out. So to pray and to practice is, is, um, is what we learn from the Lord. He would have been undisturbed by people around him. I'm quiet. Now, Jesus would have been affected by people like we are around us. You know, but we can concentrate a lot better when things are quiet and we're can you imagine yourself praying at least for an hour? I also think that, that you know, when we pray consciously, it's a one-sided conversation, really, from the human standpoint of view. But when Jesus prayed, I have to think it was not a one-sided conversation. I have to think there was a lot of back and forth there. I mean, I have to, you know, how could there not be? His prayers were really more of a conversation. Our prayer. 
Well, I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. On that. I mean, he was, he became flesh, but his prayers were, were probably very, very unique. But can you imagine praying for an hour and taking 15 minutes, say, I'm going to pray for this, for this. I'm going to give 15 minutes to Thanksgiving, and then I'm going to pray for my church family the next 15 minutes. And then I'm going to pray for, um, for my own strength and faith for the next 15 minutes. And then I'm going to pray for our country for the next 15 minutes. And so you can see how someone could, could schedule out a pretty long prayer period, especially if you took a break or two in that. All right, Luke 6 and verse 12. So we've looked at chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. Let's jump over to chapter 9 now and notice that Jesus prayed with his own. He prayed with his own disciples. This is when he goes up on top of the mountain and he's transfigured. But the reason they go to that mountain of transfiguration in the first place was to pray. Uh, Luke 9, 28. About, uh, now about eight days after he was saying these things, he took with him Peter... James and John, and went up to the mountain to pray. To pray. What was he praying there on the mountain? I surmise, if you look at verse 31, he was probably again praying about that hour to come because the discussion up there on the mountain is um, they, Moses and Elijah spoke of Jesus' departure when he, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. This was a main topic of conversation and prayer is this hour that is to come. Look down there in chapter 9, verse 21. Uh, Jesus is predicting his death right there. Okay. He's saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day uh, be raised. So now he goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration Moses and Elijah is going to appear. What are they going to talk about? They're talking about Jesus' departure that he's about to accomplish there at Jerusalem. Okay. But I also would think that he's going to be praying for these disciples, Peter, James, and John, and the other disciples. What does Peter suggest here on this mount? What does Peter suggest? Okay. Peter sees... Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. Let us build three tabernacles each for these. Now, who interrupts Peter? Yeah, the Father from heaven interrupts and says, Now look, this is my beloved Son. Hear ye Him. It seems to me that Peter's zeal was getting ahead of his knowledge here. Okay. He was putting... Moses, Elijah, and Jesus on the same level, and Jesus is the only one that had the divine nature. Jesus had the heavenly nature. Okay. Moses and Elijah were faithful men, but they were not the Son of God. Okay. So Peter was, was uh, he had a lot of zeal. He had, he had a good heart, but uh, Moses and Elijah would need to be serving Jesus. So I'm sure that uh, the Lord is praying about uh, the cross that is to come, but also praying for his disciples that they would understand. 
I would imagine, I don't know, Brother Larry, what do you think? Do you think Jesus spent extra time in prayer for Peter? <laughs> Peter was, you, Peter had an incredible heart. And he, boy, he became a, a powerful disciple and witness for the Lord. Uh, but um, he had quite a bit to overcome as well. Luke 10, now 21. Luke 10, 21. The uh, 70-something disciples that Jesus uh, had sent out came back with some pretty glowing reports. They had had a pretty good time uh, sharing the gospel and doing the works of the Lord. Look at Luke 10, 21 and um, 22. In that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Um, many people say... And I suppose it's right. This is the only time you read of Jesus rejoicing. Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. Okay. So this is a prayer of thanksgiving. Jesus prayed all night long. Jesus prayed um, with his own disciples on the mount. Now here in Luke 10, Jesus is offering a prayer of thanksgiving. Let's see what this thanksgiving is, is about. He says, uh, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, uh, you have, I thank you that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Okay. In other words, Jesus is thanking the Lord that um, the wise, the wise and understanding, that the truth was hidden from them, but that those who had a childlike thirst uh, for the truth uh, that the will of the Father had been revealed to them. Okay. So those who were wise in their own eyes, wise in their own conceit, uh, the truth was hidden from them. It's not that the Lord actually just literally hid the truth for them. It's the fact that in their pride they would not be able to see the gospel. See, They had too much pride. They had, they had too much attachment to the world to see the gospel and hear it and get and grasp the, the sense of the gospel. And so in that sense, God hid the truth from them. But those, like Peter talks about in 1 Peter 2, 1 and 2, uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word, those who have that thirst, that thirst, that good and honest heart, that thirst for the truth, God has revealed that to them. And Jesus is thankful for the Lord. Jesus is thankful for the reception of the gospel. Okay. And that's, he's thanking the Lord for that. So his disciples had been out, they come back, they've been able to share the gospel and do marvelous works. And he rejoices in this and he thanks the Father that there are receptive hearts, but he also thanks the Father how the Father has worked it out. You know, there are two forces at work with the gospel. There's, there's the gospel, but then the, there's the human heart. Okay. And it will always be that way. Always be that way. So Jesus is thankful for that. Luke 11, first few verses, notice that Jesus prays and then he teaches a class on prayer. See that in Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Underline that. There he is praying again. Luke 11, verse 1. He's praying in a certain place. And then, when he's finished, one of his disciples come to him and say, Lord, 
teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. Isn't that interesting? Okay. John also a man of prayer. Jesus a man of prayer. The two go hand in hand. The sharing of the gospel, the knowing of the gospel, and, and an intense life of prayer. So teach us to pray. And this is kind of a shortened version here in verses 2 through 4 of what you read in Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, 9 through 15. Okay. But notice what it says said here in 3 and 4. He says, well, when you pray, do this, say this. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Real easy to sum that up. When we pray, think about the greatness of God. And then secondly, when we pray, think about the grace of God. Because he gives us our daily needs, but also he's given us the opportunity to have forgiveness of sins. And we, through his grace, can develop grace ourselves and be able to forgive others. So when we pray, we first think about, you know, just like Jesus back there in Luke 10. He says, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Okay, that's the first thing we do in prayer is to think about the greatness of God. But then think quickly about the grace of God. And then again, pray for his guidance. Lord, lead me not into temptation. And I need to pray that every day. Lord, don't take me into the paths of temptation. Isn't it much better not to be tempted than to constantly put ourselves in the path of temptation? Eventually we're going to fall. But if we pray, Lord, can you please providentially somehow or another keep me away from those things that are so tempting to me. Keep me away from my, from my weaknesses. Lord, you know what that is. Well, that brings us, we have, um, we can go through Luke. We've got Luke 18, Luke 22, Luke 23. Just, it's just saturated. And even though you have thought about this, certainly you have many times about Jesus praying. When you go through verse by verse and just, it's still quite telling and instructive about watching Jesus. Now, he taught on prayer, but he did more. He did more showing than he did teaching on the subject of prayer. And by the way, that's how our children are going to learn to pray. They need to learn to pray. Notice how often Jesus went out by himself. One thing that parents today, we've got to teach our children how to spend some alone time with God. <clears throat> spend some alone time. It gets harder and harder with all the distractions of the world, but who's going to, how are our children going to learn to personally pray to God if we don't teach them? That's, that's our responsibility as parents and grandparents. So practice with them. And then tell them to go off and pray by themselves. And then 
Have them come back and tell you about it. 